Kia ora and welcome to our second episode of the end. The end. It is the end of season, of season one. one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So basically, with this episode, we're going to be looking at the knowledge that was gifted to us because that's actually um, what we believe mm-hmm. in. That we wholeheartedly believe that all our guests um, gave such beautiful tonga to us so that we can actually explore and we can actually understand and see ourselves in different ways and shapes and forms. So mm-hmm. um, with that being said, uh, we're going to take each episode and just unpack what were the takeaways for ourselves. So Kelsey, you've got the first ep- first 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're going to kick off with Kate Hanara. Oh. Thoughts, feelings. Um, what, what did you think of that one? It was one of our first two. Mm, so that I got really pissed off because our technology failed us. Oh my god! Yeah. But yes, everything else was still juicy. Um, Kate is Kate. Kate is the most heartiest heart person oh, that I that, for that, sure. that I've ever witnessed and come across. And to me. I always feel like I'm her child. Like I'm just always feeling like in this. awe and like ready to learn. Yeah. Mm. You? Yeah, the same. Like I always have time for her. Always. I think like she's got so many lived experiences that I don't have. Mm. That I'm like, wow, what was that like? And yeah, just oh my god, like I could listen to her all day. Yeah. One of the. The quotes from her episode that stood out for me was, being vulnerable has become one of my greatest strengths because I want it to be. Wow. Yeah, that that definitely sets the scene. Yeah, for sure. I think also sets the scene for our whole season too. Mm. Like people are here because they're choosing to be and they're being vulnerable because they're choosing it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like, we purposely chose her to kick off the season because we knew that her story would just, like, fucking go. Mm. Yeah. So I think it was a great way to start the season. Yeah. And I thought it was really cool that in the midst of such, such like, a challenging situation that she described about, you know, domestic violence that she was going through not long before we recorded, um, that she had the... The strength within herself to ask for help mm, and mm. to seek out her village, because that was a big thing in her corridor. Was we are born into a village, but we also get to seek it too. Yes, love that. Mm. That's a, that. I think that's a constant reminder. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Do you have any other thoughts on her episode? I think that she's able to move, mm. and she has the tenacity to move. Because some people would definitely take a little longer and mm-hmm. it, like I'm not saying that you know and even myself so I can honestly speak for myself I feel like I probably would have taken a little bit longer but I feel like Kate's genetic makeup is like all right this is the problem what are my options here's a solution let's go do it right now fucking making moves girl <laughs> thank you so much Kate. yeah thank honestly you. thank you next we had Rosalie Norton <laughs> 
Our youngest guest. Yes. Oh. I felt like we really, we were really gifted um, with mm. with a lot of her open shares as well. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, the fact that she's so articulate. Mm-hmm. And they are so confident in mm-hmm. the words that, that they decided to choose to give to us. Yeah. Yeah, that was bomb. For sure. And she spoke about um, the experience of shaving off her hair. Mm. And it was almost like a complete deconstruction of what's expected of her as a young woman in a Western society that places so much value on external factors, you know. And as a young person to be like, I'm choosing not to participate in this anymore. And and like if listen back to her podcast, like her corridor, and she goes into it a bit further, but yeah, that kinda like blew my mind as a young person. Mm. And I'm really for, happy. And like for any like at any age, like I am so attached to my hair. <laughs> <laughs> so attached to it. That I don't know if I could do that. Ooh. I'm I'm sorry, I'm just trying to imagine you with no hair. no but you're right um and i feel like i'm actually quite happy to hear that that's coming out of our youth Mm. Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying that every youth is like this but the fact that we've got you know some trailblazers that are leading the way in that space yeah magnifique Mm. it just makes me excited for the future like those are the young people that are coming through holy crap we're in good hands hard yeah I'm glad that they're going to be the lawmakers when we're like old and <laughs> decrepit and can't make decisions for ourselves. Doste. <laughs> Doste. Do. Just a little bit. Doste, they love. <laughs> I'm really holding restraint to not do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, third episode was Horomona Horo. Beautiful human who gifted us some really incredible um, music there at the start, too. Mm. I think as well it's just to me there's a maturity and there's also a little cheekiness that I really love mm-hmm. you know it's, it's it's almost as though he knows the bigger picture and he can see the bigger picture and then he also chooses the path of least resistant but at the same time not mm-hmm. it's yeah so to me I, I I'm actually I, I listen to that podcast and I just learned something new Every single time, because I didn't hear... Well, with every podcast, I, I, I'm i like, oh, there's something new there. But with Horo, um, yeah, just this ability, I feel like, to be creatively native was probably something that really was like, oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, something that stood out for me was the way that he talked about pronouns and communities. Mm. In and what way? He just, like, something he said was... Um, that he would just ask people, like, what do you want me to call you? And then he would call them that. Mm. And having complete respect for people's self-identifications. And he's in um, that people need to understand who you are. Uh, so he wants to understand who you are for you rather than adhering to media's portray- portrayals of who you are. Ooh. Yeah. That's levelled. Because in, in Western ideologies want to dissect people and, and place people in boxes, right? But he said, coming from a cultural perspective, you have a village and your whānau has whānau, has whānau, has whānau. And um, all the wahine in your village are your mamas and all the all the tāne in your village are your papas. And that might be the mama that birthed you and that might be the mama that 
raised you and that might be the mama that gave you kai mm-hmm. and that might be the papa that taught you how to harvest your own kai you know like there's all these people and i'd always kind of had that whakaro of takes a village to raise a child yeah but it didn't actually land for me until that conversation wow yeah and I guess to me, it always pushes another Fakaro of yours around the fact that because people know what gay is or the label is, they know what to expect from you. And I think I've heard mm. that kōrero from you mm-hmm. and it's landed for me as well in that aspect. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. People want to identify you, particularly in the Western, like what he was saying. Mm. Like they want to say, they want to be able to label you so they know what to expect from you. Yeah. Yeah. Kia ora. Up next, we had Juliana Brown. Gorgeous Just a ball of fire And not because she's got red hair But because um, She's an intelligent human Yeah for sure There's a lot of juice in there Particularly around her um, research Mm. But one of the things that stood out for me Was her basic Her basic concept I guess was just like Be a fucking human Yeah And be a kind human Um, And there was a conversation around like um, one person's small moment of being uncomfortable could alleviate somebody else's lifetime of uncomfortable moments like that, particularly around calling people or like bringing it to their attention that they're maybe saying something that's hurtful. Mm. The example given was, oh, that's so gay. You know, we have experience with this as well. Um, but yeah, just like be a human and you have those small revolutionary moments where you get to decide, particularly in that specific situation, if you are a cis person or if you are a straight person, your little moment of uncomfortable could save 20 people in the next couple of months of uncomfortable moments where they maybe don't have the courage or the strength or the ability or safety to stand up for themselves in that moment. You're so right. So be a fucking human. <laughs> Is that your um, your campaign? Yeah, for Juliana. Yeah. <laughs> be a fucking human. Be like a Juliana. Thank you. Um, up next we had Jordan Tuitama. So many little golden nuggets in there. Mm. Incredible. And in a way, I just I still look up to him because he's the first MC that I ever saw that mm. looked similar to me or that that had my type of humor or that actually was really creative. Like in my head, I was like, "Oh snap! I've never seen like other body types on stage mm. and mm. was holding space." Mm. So that's definitely something that I'm like I'm still very very grateful for Jordan for even taking that space and allowing people like me and others to to see themselves in that aspect yeah i'm so happy that you had someone like that because mm. not everybody does yeah and i know that it was only probably one person and that like i'm so stoked for you that you had that person mm. um jordan talked about the difference between learning and education <laughs> go there so learning um we're always learning and he referenced that the conversation that we were having at the time that we recorded that podcast he was learning in that moment too Mm. Whereas education is a a Western idea of what success success looks like, and it's a standardised and quality assured, and that you're competent at something in a particular level. Mm. Yeah. Whereas success, and for young people, he thinks needs to be self determining, 
and success for one young person could be his example was showing up to school every day for a week. Yeah, so his his idea of success for a young person meant that it needed to be self-determining and that those young people get to decide for themselves what success looks like and it doesn't always have to fit into that Western model of education. Yeah. And for one young person it could be showing up to school every day would be successful for that young person, which, I mean, that's incredible if that young person doesn't normally go to school and maybe not go to school for the academia side of it but for the social interaction as well Mm. you know and making connections and all that kind of stuff well kind of going back to you um to to our story as well school could be a safe haven for you to actually Mm -hmm. get away from home yeah so that's you know there's we there's so many reasons why people show up to school i guess is what i'm saying yeah yeah but yeah for sure Mm. but yeah his kind of thought that i picked up on from his corridor was Learning versus education, which I yeah. thought was quite a cool distinction. Massive distinction. Mm. Vinaka, vinaka. Next we had Gemma Major. Gemma Major. <laughs> Her corridor just like blew my mind in so many different different ways. <laughs> that I, yeah, I mean I have so much respect for her in the world as like our friend as well. Mm. Um, and she talked about like who are we and, and how do we show up in the world and what decisions do we make that ripple out into the world. Mm. Um, and if we are making those decisions from a place of pain, how is it actually affecting the people that those decisions are? Like if you're a policymaker, making decisions from a place of pain, from your individual trouble rather than from a societal perspective, how is that actually rippling out into the world? Mm. And she went back to like self-awareness at a secondary level like in, in schools. And she said, fuck algebra. How are we going to teach our young people how to connect with their self instead or like relevant topics to them outside of school? Mm. There was a bit of a... You brought up the like life flower thing from algebra or something, um, and there's like some kind of connection. And then I was talking about like I don't mind learning this. Like I didn't mind learning that stuff in secondary school, but I wanted to know where and how it's going to actually apply outside of it. And she kind of you know jumped on that as well, and she said that um, she believed in the potential in young people to change the world. Um, one day they are going to be the parents, they are going to be the policy makers, so how are we setting them up to be able to make decisions from a place of love and pain and, and restoration of that mm. rather than still being sitting in that? Because otherwise we normalise a culture of that, right? Yeah, of pain. Mm. Like if we're aware of it, if we're conscious of it, how are we then creating opportunities for other people to become conscious of it? Mm. That's a massive question, the second mm. part. The second part mm-hmm. of that question is just still like, <laughs> how <Yeah>. are we doing? <laughs> All about like self-awareness and consciousness. Mm. Blew my mind. Gems and gem. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, next up we had Stephen Yu. Oh, hello Stephen. Hey Stephen. 
Um, Stephen brought up a few pretty incredible conversations. Really? Yes. Go there. Um, but the one that stuck out the most was how how are we preparing our visitors for a life in New Zealand mm. and expecting them to assimilate without giving them information, particularly around the Treaty of Waitangi. He shared with us that he didn't learn anything or know anything about the treaty until the second year of his business degree, and in that context it was still around business ethics rather than indigeneity. Mm. How incredible. Like, particularly for people who are coming for extended periods of time, Mm. like on a student visa or a work visa or like people who become permanent residents, how are we setting these people up for success in this in this particular context and expecting them to be respectful of Māori culture and te ā Māori mm. without giving them information and resources to do that? Yeah. That's so fucked up. Well, then at the same time, even to stretch that, we have a whole community of immigrants who are complicit with colonisation. Mm-hmm. But not because they want to be or because they choose to be, but because that's a, you know, a far cue conversation. Mm. Yeah. So that plus the majority equates to the current state of New Zealand. Yeah. And I think also like in New Zealand, we easily say, oh, they just don't get it. Mm. And and it gets to that us versus them conversation of, we were born here, they immigrated. This is our motu. Mm. Even though we're all, even if you're born here, you're still visiting. You know, like my papa came here, I think I'm like fifth generation in one line. So I'm still pretty fresh. The fact that you can acknowledge that. I invite everyone else to. <laughs> Just like blows my mind. Because I think we're so quick to say, oh, like, and I hate this. Like, go back to your own country. Why? Why should they have to? Like, they're welcome here. We just got to teach them or give them opportunities to learn or give people opportunities, not them. Give people mm. opportunities to learn about the history of New Zealand and because this is going to be taught in school soon I'm so stoked for that because there's next generations that are coming up like Rosalie and her and her friends in mm-hmm. school who are already like bloody amazing are going to have more of a well-rounded knowledge of what actually happened here because I mean admittedly I don't really know much about Māori land wars mm. I'm so glad that you're willing to admit that because to me that starts a conversation that doesn't end one mm. <laughs> that was a lot. Yeah. That that episode really hit for me. Yeah. Thank you so much, Stephen, for opening up conversations for us. Yeah. Episode eight. We had Louise Hart. <laughs> so incredible. Um, and she gifted us the idea of calling people in rather than calling people out. Love, love. What love were your that. thoughts on that? I guess to me it's just it's a it's a holistic notion because to me I feel like if you really do do love your family love your friends love your community 
and then love your chosen family, to me, you would call them in. And in a way, I feel like as soon as we normalize calling your close ones, close close people in, we can start to actually give grace to people who are, who operate outside of your close walls or outside of your boundaries. Yeah. And that's just, yeah, it's both online and offline. And I think it's also like calling people in to have a conversation, like a fuck you conversation, rather than being like, actually, I don't agree with you. See you later. Mm. You know that whole cancel culture, cancel culture bullshit. Because I feel like we we miss out the fact that you call yourself out first. Mm. So when you're calling somebody else out, you call yourself out first. Yeah. Because one, you you either relate to that. There was an aspect of that that's within you, reminiscent of something, but you're calling yourself out first because that's behavior that you've either clearly drawn a line or a boundary for, mm-hmm. and someone's crossed it. So I feel like the more that you get heated or the more that you don't want respect or you don't want to build that connection. And everybody has that choice. Like it's subjective to the scenario. Mm. So I'm not going to blanket cover and be like, everyone should just give everyone grace. But I feel like if you really cared enough about somebody to call them in, Mm. know that the support goes both ways. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm so thankful as well. Louise, thank you for um, jumping through hula hoops with us. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> that was that was probably the one that we, like, logistically had the most, like, on our side, of mm. course, 100% our side, had the most challenges with. Long story short, we came to record and none of the equipment was here. <laughs> and that was the second time we tried to book um, Louise in. Yeah. So. Third time lucky. Third time lucky and thank we you so there. much. Thank you. We appreciate your understanding. <laughs> um, up next we had Michael Moore's episode nine. Again, another one that just like, oh my God, stop rubbing your nipples. <laughs> and Molly Sill is real happy, just rubs his nipples, just so you're aware. So if you haven't seen me rub my nipples, get, that, get the notion. <laughs> Um, Michael Moore, within the first, like, 10 minutes, just completely blew me away. The Wait, was that the first time you ever interacted with him as well? Yeah. Wow. Well, I'd, like, talked to him maybe once or twice before that, but never, like, a proper conversation. Mm. It was insane. And he talked about um, perspective. And he he used a metaphor of... He was retelling a story that he'd, he'd experienced at... Uh, he was retelling an experience he had at a conference internationally. Um, and I believe it was an in Indigenous Communities Conference. Mm-hmm. And someone who was talking was, was holding up their finger and asked him to come and... And say, hey, if I put up my finger and this finger is um, the meaning or the purpose of life, what do you see? And then he tried to move around and look around and and this person who was presenting said, no, you stand there. You are viewing my finger as a man. and That is your fixed position. And I am viewing my finger as a woman, this side of the finger. And they were opposite each other. And I am viewing... This finger from the position of a woman. What do we see? 
and they each explained the signs that they saw. And then this this person was like, okay, so if I put an L here, a G here, a B here, and a T here, and a 2 here, what then happens to the view of that finger? And it just blew my mind that that simple metaphor could explain so many and so simply different perspectives on the on the purpose and the meaning of of life mm. and i've now like taken that into different contexts and different places and different situations around my world because even in like a work context mm. there's been a situation i'm like okay so i see that from my perspective right and you see it from yours our lived experiences are so different yet we're coming together and we're Expecting for there not to be conflict? Hard. How? How is that ever going to happen? Well, m- conflict might not be the right word, but like you're expecting us to just kind of like come to the same conclusion. I think it is conflict. Because the only reason why I'm saying that is because we don't, like, we don't normalise self-awareness. Mm. So because we don't normalise self-awareness, there's a lot of people that walk around thinking that because they're the loudest in the room, that they're the most intelligent. And in my head, I'm like, empty drum, love you, mom. Empty drums make more noises. Mm. And in my head, like, and just because the majority thinks a certain way doesn't make it right, it just makes it this commonly acceptable. Yeah. So to me, I love that, and I that's why I want to back you up to say it. It is conflict because to I know that you wouldn't use that word, mm. and there's so many different ways to look at that word, but it is a conflict of interest. It's a conflict of experiences. It's a conflict of understanding, and that's. Yeah. I think people, well, sorry, from my experience, mm. I feel like nice catch. I have been in many spaces where we normalize the majority voice. Like every day? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're just going to normalize male and female as the only binary of gender. Oh, we're not going to have a gender neutral bathroom. Oh, that's not important. That's quite uncommon, isn't it? <laughs> anyway yes <laughs> thank you on. your knuckle michael thank you um and to round out the first 10 episodes whoop, whoop. um we had amanda ratuki <sighs> just yeah amazing um and amanda's corridor roughly was around moving outside of her conditioned community and into a space of complete self-determination mm. I think we all can relate to this in some mm-hmm. way, shape, or form. And in her context, it was around Christianity, but that can be a, that lesson and that corridor can be applied to so so many different spaces and places. Mm. So many, because the new the nuances of that is that we really we go through births and rebirths of being mm. in, in our own community where you start to see it from a different perspective or a lens or you find out new knowledge and you're like, oh, snap, that goes against everything that I believe in or that I was yeah. raised in. So mm-hmm. I definitely see what you're saying or I back that up 100%. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. Over to you, Jo. Malu? Episode 11, we had the... I just I, I I feel like I don't have an eclectic the eclectic Dujon um Collingford. Um and yeah, what what were your what were your initial reactions? I really appreciated how he connected 
community with the arts mm. those two connection and like how they kind of work in parallel but connection with each other as well go there yeah it was really beautiful and for someone who operates in the world in the arts world as well I was like yeah I can definitely see that like I always use my camera as a way of connection mm. like 90% of the time and I'm on the same wavelength because he was so good at, like, he's so intelligent and mm. he's so good at articulating exactly his views. And I love that he, like, I think he taught me a couple of mitigating ways of, instead of, like, he, when, when you hear difference, to say, oh, that's interesting. Mm. Like, I, I feel like <laughs> I heard I, I heard that a lot whenever we had different views or we were on different sides of the spectrum. He goes, oh, that's interesting. And in my head, I'm like, you're still inviting me for a conversation there when you're saying that. Mm. But f- um, one of my biggest takeaways is when he um like I think for his journey he 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 articulated that he wasn't the best dancer to begin with and he even shared a story of just saying that when he was dancing as a in, in primary school his teacher thought he was having a seizure like and <laughs> and to me I feel like that's such a good point because he's such an amazing dancer now mm. And he's so gifted, but it's like it shows a journey of growth. Yeah. And I think that's really relatable to anybody. And at the same time, I will back you up in saying that he did really clarify what communities is for me. And yeah, that, that was for sure. that was really a stretch for me. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much to Jean. The next we had episode 12 with Tash Allen. And this was a teardropper all over the place. I know. <laughs> So, like, I've heard that story before, but not to that depth. Mm. And every time the story comes up of, of her father, it it always makes me cry. And I knew, <laughs> I, knew I was going to cry, and I knew that it would all be in here just like a fucking mess. <laughs> mm, mm. But I'm so, so grateful that she took the time. And was willing to have that conversation with us. Because mm. it's deeply, deeply personal. And, yeah, I just, I have so much respect for her. And see, this is why we say we genuinely believe that everyone's korero or everyone's um, talanoa was a gift to us. Because specifically with this one, it was mm. there were so many gifts. And I think she touched a point on a vulnerability that we don't actually have access to because we're so used to being in our own communities. Mm-hmm. And I think she open sourced uh, something that was, you know, could have been really quite traumatic for her. But now mm. she's kind of done the inner work to actually allow yeah. us into that. Um, one of my clear takeaways was um, basically she opened up the wound of all well, the conversation, not the wound, the conversation around what legacy of loss looks like. Mm. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was really interesting that, uh, you know, what do you do with loss? How do you move in loss? How do you rely on, like, who do you rely on when you're the person that had such a massive impact in your life mm. is not there anymore? And I think her her gifts there, mm-hmm. that was really, to me, it just highlighted the fact that there was a community of support around her mum. Shout out to mum. Her mum mm. is just incredibly strong in yeah, that space. Sure. And at the same time, I think it really helped me to actually understand because I, I actually went and did my own research into 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 losing someone um and it created a conversation of being like so one of the gurus that that I've that I've been listening to 
um, Sadhguru, he actually talks about losses as something like because the closer the person, um, the closer the person is to you in your life, mm. the bigger the gap that, that that you have to fill by yourself without them. Yeah, and imagine and, if that was your father. Mm. And that's that's something that I'm like, oh wow, it really helped me to understand and process what loss could look like for me, as mm. opposed to me just focusing on the loss. It's actually opening up a gap f- to invite someone else, and mm. mm-hmm. you know, and it, it, it is a thought process, and it is some inner work to do there. But it did ch- like you know that that conversation opened up other conversations for me. Anything else that you took away from Tash? No, I just. So proud to be able to call him my friend, you know. We love you, bitch. <laughs> Trash. <laughs> um, episode three, um, three, 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 episode 13. Um, we had the intelligence of Bini Marama. And I think to me, the biggest thing that I took away was um, representation matters. Mm. And I think one of the korero that we had um, was that, well, he basically said, if you can do kapaka, hula, or any other traditional cultural mm-hmm. dances, you can do Shakespeare. Yeah. And in my head, I was like, who even creates space for that? And mm. he does. Mm. You know, he does it. I think also something that stood out for me was the choice of representation as well. Like, he got offered a couple of roles that he chose not to do because he didn't want to be represented or represent his community in that way. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Mm. and Like not all brown men are henchmen. Hard. Or security guards. Yeah. <laughs> like brown men can also be doctors, lawyers, police officers, like mm. more than just the muscle. Yeah. And those are the stereotypes that, that you know, we don't actually, we don't get a choice in. We just get flexed mm. into. Mm-hmm. Um, another important that he had was um, around telling his mum and dad's um, love story and to me I feel like that was such a beautiful notion because he's actually uplifting the the plight of his parents mm-hmm. and the journey that they took because he even discovered that his um, father could um, used to sing and play guitar mm. you know and these are all the gems that we kind of skip over when we don't really uplift the intelligence of the people who brought us to earth yeah, we kind of just think that their life started when we arrived. <laughs> Why did you have to call me out so badly? Like, honestly, ouch. Because my mum told me that that's not the truth. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. Vinaka. Um, yes, so thank you so much um, for that. Mm. Um, episode 14, we had Rose Masters. Who's Rose to you? Rose is fucking, like, incredible. I've known Rose since I was probably three, I think. But you're old. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, or it might have been, I don't know, uh, like most of my life. Like I don't remember not knowing her. Mm. Um, because Rose and, and my mum worked together for such a, a long time. Mm. And I was running around the halls being a little idiot. And mum Rose would come and be like, shut up. Um, nicely, of course. Um, Rose to me is someone who I can always go to if I have questions about anything, really. And she's always like a source of comfort for me. I like that. Yeah. Mm. What about for you? Mm. She's a lighthouse. Mm. So to me, I'm really, 
I'm really thankful that you know being away from my nan and being away from all of the 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 manawahine that would pull me in mm. and my mom not being around as well in terms of being in Hamilton she lives in uh, um, Christchurch uh, it was really like I'm really thankful that I have people like Anne and Rose and all these other lighthouses that are like <laughs> come back home Joe yeah <laughs> Joe that's not what we taught you mm. And mm-hmm. yep, she has a completely different nuance and upbringing to me, but she definitely knows how to call me in for 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 <laughs> a nice little uffy. Yeah. And at the same time, it's just always transparent and good juice and good vibes and good yeah. feelings. So to me, I'm like, you're so yeah. I I really appreciate um the part that she plays in my life. So thank you so much. Um and just. Yeah, she's so intelligent that she created this um, uh, this concept of narcoology. And to me, I feel like that is something that I'm still very much weighing up and, and having conversations about how I am a narcoologist because her focado is that everyone is. Mm. So um, if you don't know what narcoology is, it's someone who uses their heart to facilitate their words, their lived experiences, their practice and the service to others. So that's coming straight from the... Um, the intelligence of Rose and her communities. But to me, I'm like, damn, I think I have a lot of people who operate, well, in my workspace as well as in my personal space, I think I have, I'm still trying to figure out how I operate with my mm-hmm. heart as, as opposed mm-hmm. to my mind. Because mm-hmm. like I was saying to you before, my mind's trained to find the issue and go negative. Yeah. I think a lot of people's are. I think it's the social conditioning as well. Mm-hmm. So yes, um, I think that's the part that really um, hit home for me because it spoke Mm. of legacy and then also like I I love the fact that she went from mukapuna to tipuna. Yeah. Like, and it's, yeah, you can look at it and there's a time bound to that, but I'm like, nah, she's working with time, not in like. Not against it. mm. So that's really, was was there any other takeaways for you? No. Yeah. Vinaka Rose, you really still know how to blow our minds away. I know. Every conversation, I'm like, holy shit. Where do you learn all this shit, man? Yeah. And I'm like... Calm down. Are you just waiting for us to just come in? So you just like brain dump all on us? I'm like, holy crap. Amazing that I always Mm -hmm. love those those conversations. Episode 15. Oh, what a goodie. Megan Rogerson Berry. Honestly... To me, I think she pushed, she pushed mm. my queer education. Yeah. My queer education. Same. Queer education. The queer education. <laughs> yeah, I'm, still, I'm like this, I, I'm not saying it right, but I'm trying to make it sound like it's like queer education. Mm. But she really pushed or they really like just gave me a couple of, you know, homonormativity. Mm. That's one thing that I've, I feel like I'm still battling with as well. So it's not yeah, a conversation where a, I'm calling out, I'm calling in. I think a lot of people are. Mm. And I think that's representative of the society that we're living in too. Mm. Is we're only going to accept you if you kind of look like us. Mm. Trash, but mm, I, 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 do, I definitely receive that. Um, Sona Gaida, like who even goes like we go from homonotivity <laughs> to Sona Gaida, like amazing. That's, that's a massive leap, and then at the same time, I, I I like that she weaved in constantly throughout our conversation that ignorance breeds fear, which then fosters prejudice. Yeah, 
So that's something that I went back and I read a couple of articles as well, just to see what that actually looks like and feels like from different perspectives. So I'm so thankful for that. And I'm glad that she has deep, she has deep water ears and deep water thinking, like for sure. so intelligent. Um, next, we had episode 16 with Maioro Barton. And wow, I'm just, I really like overwhelming Fano support. Yeah. I'm still waiting to be invited to them Christmas dinners, yes, Christmas branches. I'm so keen for that. So if you're listening, my Mama mom. Barton, <laughs> we're available. We need <laughs> that Kumara Baker sounding pretty oh nice. Oh my god! Um, but yeah, so to me, I feel like one of the bigger takeaways for me was having the right mindset to mm. succeed regardless of your circumstance or yep. scenario. Yeah, an example of that that he brought in was. When he was born, his whanau didn't adapt the house to him. He had to adapt to the world around him. Mm. And that um, it gave him the skills and determination to carry them into other spaces and places in his life. Like, his, I think his pull quote that we used was, they knew I'd be born with spina bifida, but they didn't know that I was going to be born with determination. Pum. I was like, whoa. Shit, boy. I, yeah, I'm still I'm still baffled at that because that's that still gives me just the heebie-jeebies because mm. I'm like you literally are evoking and manifesting your own reality. Yeah, and not blaming your circumstance for anything. Guilty. <laughs> Wait. Mm. How you feeling over there, Joe? <laughs> I'm feeling exposed. Can you stop mirror? <laughs> Cut <laughs> that mirror off right now. So which is really good because I love so thank you so much Maoru for your um for your plight and your journey and for also sharing about the multiple accolades. Like to me I was really like I was really happy with the multiple acc- accolades that he mm. he basically showed us because I'm like those are milestones that you've leaped over mm. as opposed to being said you weren't able you're not gonna make it past the week. Mm. So I'm like, oh yes, yes, yes. But Going on to episode 17, Patricia Gleason. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, yeah, neighborhood support. I think that was one of the 100%. biggest. Like, I'm still, like, I live in a little bit of a cul-de-sac, and in my head I was thinking, maybe I should get an email or, like, a contact list for everybody and see if a we can. phone tree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just so that we can get in touch and, um, you know, actually check in on each other. And I'm like thinking, you know, we could ha- celebrate Easter's together or um, any other holidays, you know, pagan holidays <laughs> together as as a community. Because I feel like we don't actually know each other and we're just walking around each other as opposed to connecting. So that was like, that was definitely something that I was like, oh, snap, it's been a while since I've been connected to that. Mm. Um, anything for you? Seeking of community. Mm. Like we always kind of expect our community to to form around us, but we have the autonomy and the agency to seek our own. Yeah, yeah, or choose not to seek our own mm. and isolate ourselves. Ooh, the opposite effect, eh? Um, so a couple of people reached out to me as well, and um, they were like, um, "I love the impact, not intention." Oh yeah, that was the gift that she gave me. Come on, years ago now, Mm. still ringing true. One hundred percent, and I think it's better. It's it's helped us to connect with other people so much better. Oh yeah, and then also with each other because I'm like, oh, (laughs) 
Y'all yeah, just being a little bitch over there. Yeah. Oh, that wasn't my intention. I don't give a fuck. That yeah. was the impact. Um, also, the fact that she stretched mirrors for me, the concept of mirrors, because, you know, you think you keep on thinking that it's in front of you, but mm. then when she talked about all the all mirrors around them. you and the blind spots. Yeah. I love that she stretched that, that for us. Mm. Um, and, yeah, so to me, um, Patricia came to our lives in a, in a time where we needed mm. someone else's thinking or we needed yeah. to, re- well, I needed, sorry, to rely on somebody else to just kind of give me a little bit of gems from a different perspective as well. Mm. Um, yes. Now we're moving on to episode 18. Rafaela Luna Pisano. Um, elemental ancestors, come on. like Incredible. That is a concept, like, mm. or that is just an, a, a lived experience and a worldview. Mm. Adopt, adopted, and I'm still trying to figure out conversations around how I adopt that fully. But I'm like, I'm in. I'm in the deep. I want to know more about this. Um, also, just I guess to me, the the focado around we don't want your acknowledgement. <laughs> you know, we want you to just you know ask for permission mm. to share to hold and to, to wananga and to talanoa in the mm. spaces. So for me, I'm really having conversation about myself, about how I MC or how I introduce myself, acknowledging that. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's really, yeah, that's really highlighted a lot of things for us. But also the luminalities. I think I finally figured out how to pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> the luminalities. So that's the space in between things. So to me, um, that's very similar to Va and the concept of Va. And that's just a beautiful... It, to me, when you understand the, the the space in between and you respect that that space in between exists for a reason mm. and you understand or you try and figure out and understand what that reason is as opposed to just, you know, the call-out culture. Because I feel like that's that's what mm. it is. The luminalities and space in between can actually cater to the call-out culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, also on that, in that um, episode, the concept of allyship versus, like, Com- comrade, I guess, what was the word? I can't quite remember 100%, but allyship only goes so far. Mm. And if like people say that they're, I don't know, LGBT allies, yeah, but to, at, to what point? And then at what point are you like, oh, I've done my little bit now, see you later. Mm. And in, in the context of um, RAF, there was a conversation around... Um, like indigenous allyship because I, I had said I was like well what can I do to to support in these spaces because obviously I'm not part of those communities but I want to be an ally and they were like yeah allies only go so far mm. I was like oh my gosh thank you so much for calling me in on that yeah because I mean all I've ever been told and I guess all I've ever seeked was how to be an ally rather than how to be a comrade mm. Beautiful. So that really pushed my thoughts around allyship in different spaces and places. And I still remember as well for that as well. Um, mm. he, um, they were talking about um, the fact that are you going to put your body on the line as well? Because mm. our bodies are on the line every and single time. And we don't time. get a choice about it. Mm. So that's the part that really landed yeah. as well when you actually said that. I just remember that just popped into my mind. Yeah, and if you're an ally, you get to walk away. Ah, uh, like I guess in your context, you don't get to walk away from the fact that you've got brown skin, mm. Mm. right? I do. I get a choice. Yeah. And if I'm an ally shit with you, 
when shit goes down, I have the choice if I want to walk away. Honestly, this I ain't is bringing... ever walking away from your ass, my Lucille. Except when you do that. <laughs> Stop fucking rubbing your nipples. So disgusting. For you. Move on. <laughs> yes. Thank if you, Raph. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And on another note, uh, thank you, Raph. We'll be moving on. <laughs> Episode 19, Tuihana Ohia. I think to me, what, what I really took away, and we didn't specifically, like, explicitly talk about it, but I, I, I think for me, being a dual walker and the fact that she's proud of both her heritage. Mm. So to me, I feel like that's such a powerful, like, I think, I, I like, yeah, I, I'm willing to say that, that she's leading in that field and she came in a space where, yep, it was challenging, but we didn't have, we didn't know how to have conversations about how you could be fully Maori and present white. Yeah. And I think that's the conversation that I that I took away from 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 um Hukuriru because, you know, I love that she articulated both the intelligence of her European side as well as her Maori mm. side. And to me I'm like, that's that's what strength looks like mm-hmm. when you entertain both. Yeah. As opposed to just one. And when she comes when she was talking about multiculturalism and biculturalism, it's it's so valid. And I think at, at that time maybe she might have been massaging the system of hey saying hey we've got a lot more people who are <laughs> quote unquote mixed mm. you know mm-hmm. and that furthers the bloodline of maori not that doesn't limit it or doesn't yeah. dilute it yeah so to sure. me i feel like that's something that i really took away as well as um pumanawa so i think mm. t- to me mm-hmm. that was something that really hit home for me because i'm like i i guess there's a, these aspects of me where I'm fucking ma about actually just saying that I'm fucking good at what I do. Mm. And everyone has their intrinsic skills, right? Go there. That's it. Because mm. if you don't know that and if you don't uplift that enough of these people that are yeah. around someone you. someone else, they'll tell you. Yeah. 100%. And I loved the kōrero that she had with her son because she mm. was saying that you're this, 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 and this, but the juice is when you find out that you're that. Yeah. That was incredible. So to me, that was that was something, and at the same time, you already know I cried my behind off because you know it was a, it was <laughs> a really good moment for, for me specifically, given that, Tuihana talked about losing, um, having, that mummy to give her son away, and mm. that that was really close to my personal experience. So I was really thankful that she was able to be open and honest with that, but at yeah. the same time, invite me in to think about it from a different perspective. Mm. And last but not least, episode 20, Kent McPherson. Dun, 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 dun. Who's Kent to you? Kent is like my papa on campus. <laughs> Come on, you know that he's, he's, he, you've got Kent on speed dial for I a do, certain thing. I do. There was one day that I was at work and I was like, I just needed like a dad hug. And I messaged him and I was like, where are you? And he came up and <laughs> came up to my office, which is admittedly up a hill from his and he came up and gave me gave me a little hug and I was like oh my god Kent like I actually really needed this because my dad lives quite far away now Mm. go there Nigel (laughs) 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 oh dad you're welcome um yeah so I was like I just need like a dad hug and I feel like I mean we'll get into it more in the next you know little like wrap up but Kent was one of our biggest supporters for this podcast 
like opening doors and gates yeah. and rooms for us to be here. Yes. So that's the reason why we love um, Kent so much. But it's not the only reason, I think, um, yeah. in his episode. There was a lot of things that he covered around um, migration and then also the fact that he was raised, uh, well, his upbringing, he was one of very few um, white people in, mm. <laughs> in, in his communities. Mm-hmm. And that gifted him a certain worldview as well. And yeah. then when he went to um, overseas, it, like that was enriched. You know, yeah, for sure. He was really enriched in that space, so that's what I'm taking away. But at the same time, I just feel like, yeah, a massive, 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 massive vinakavakalevu, and thank you so much for allowing us to be ourselves around you. Because I think that's what one thing that I'm really, mm. I'm really just hesitant around is just being myself around certain cis white male presenting, like white yeah. white presenting male. So to me, I'm like. He just, I guess to me, he he really pushed my idea of what someone like him, that someone that presents like him mm. actually can approach differently. Yeah. And I think there's nothing but heart in, in, in everything that he does. So I 100% agree. It really shows with his episode, but at the same time, the way he's uh, he's offered us throughout this whole process. He's on yeah. speed tire. Yeah, not just facts, but like technical support as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But yes, that's us in our 20 episodes. Oh. What an adventure. It's, yeah, I'm so, so thankful. It's changed everything that I thought I knew about the different communities that um, each um, person gifted to us. Mm. It's changed my worldview on, on, on a lot of different communities. And it's helped me to embrace the fact that I've been an ally as opposed to a comrade in a lot of different spaces and places. Yeah, yeah. I think that's definitely one of the things that hit home for me this season. Mm. Yeah. Final words for the season? I'm just, like, I I really do just want to put a big mahi out there for everyone who did come through and share. Like, there's, this podcast isn't about me and Malu. Like, it's about all of you guys and, and the corridor that you were willing to gift us. Mm. So thank you. Okay, we need to stop, otherwise I'm going to cry. <laughs> She's already crying. Yeah. I just feel really honoured to... <laughs> I just feel really honoured that people trusted us. And, like, when we started, we we didn't have anything out for them to look at and be like, oh, that's what I can expect. They just, like, wholeheartedly gifted us their stories. And not only us, but like gifted it out to community as well. Mm. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm really, really grateful that people were willing to do that with us. And that you were willing to do this with us too, Joe. Wouldn't want to do it with anyone else. Stop. Okay, time to go. Bye. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Very much. Bye. Bitch.